Uh, this is Bud. I want to welcome you to the Constipated Christian. Today I'm here with a friend of mine. Uh, her name is Kimberly. She is the, what's your title? I am the donation coordinator at the Gathering Inn. Donation coordinator at the Gathering Inn. I'm, I've met her, um, gosh, no, a year or two ago, maybe mm-hmm. longer, but she took over from uh, Stephanie. Or mm-hmm. We used to talk about Stephanie all the time. She was there for years. Uh, she has a, a clothing store, Wednesdays and Saturdays at the Gathering Inn, a homeless a shelter. Uh, just a beautiful person. Her heart, uh, I'm going to just let her uh, speak to what she does and why she does it. But um, was homeless briefly. Then she lived at the Gathering Inn. Now, like I say, or like she says, she uh, manages the, uh, the uh, that, that part of the Gathering Inn. Constantly giving back. Uh, Never judgmental, I don't think. I'm going to speak for her. She just has a an open giving heart, and she does things, or she does these types of things, uh, because she feels the the call to do it. Not because I know it's her job, but she doesn't do it just because it's her job. I'm I, I'm sure of that. So anyway, I just wanted to come on and talk to you. She is um, one of the people that we talked about. Uh, few months ago, Nick said I should go out and talk to people that have been homeless and uh, we've interacted with them. She's not quite that same a scenario because she was homeless briefly or whatever, and she did live with the gathering in. Um, but she is definitely giving back. She, she has seen it full circle. So she's coming from, from their perspective as well as the perspective of the people that are trying to help people. So with that, I'm just going to let her talk a little bit. I'll prompt her by Ask you some questions or whatever. If you get stuck, just put your hand up in the air and just say okay. say something. Or whatever. So some people like me to ask them questions or whatever. But basically just talk about, you know, maybe not your whole life story, but uh, uh, you became homeless or you, you lived in the car for a couple of nights and you wound up going to the gathering. But how did that or, or, or how did your life, it seemed like your life would have been normal from there. You had, you had a couple of kids. Yes. I say normal, quote unquote. <laughs> and then how how did it change from that to that? Okay. Um, so I, like he said, I spent a few nights in my car. It was really cold in the winter time. And at that point I decided it would be best for my children and I to check into a homeless shelter as opposed to sleeping in the car. Uh, my son was three and my daughter was five when we first moved in and we spent 16 months at the shelter before we got Whoa. housing. So it was, quite a bit of time actually. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 16 months. There were quite a few families there at the time. I was going to say you were there when I can't think of the names of the people, but they had like six kids, the blonde. Uh, yes. Yeah. They, yes. They I was... actually still have contact with really? all of those. Fam- oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. We're quite the tight little network. Yeah. There was a I... lot of, fa- there was a lot of families there. A lot of kids. Yeah. I've kept up contact with quite a few of those families for just for when, like when you guys do your, um, toy giveaway and stuff, oh, right. I make sure to send it in a text message so okay. that they sign their children up for all of the different events, even though they now have housing. Um, but yeah, I lived there for 16 months and it was an experience I would never give back. Seeing so many different people come alongside those who had nothing to give and volunteering their time and their talents to uplift other individuals who who are at rock bottoms, rock bottom, like that experience is what motivates me to want to give back. Like when I moved out of the homeless shelter, I was a caregiver. And so I would come back on my days off and volunteer in the clothing department, um, help sort, 
help set up clothing closet on my days off. And after about a year of volunteering there is when the position opened up and they asked me if I wanted to be the um, donation coordinator to run the clothing closet and things of that nature. And absolutely, I accepted. Um, I know so many of those people firsthand from living with them um, that it's actually... Like I, like I said, I wouldn't give that experience back for anything. Like I've seen people who were lost, confused on drugs at the park and been able to walk up to them and tell them how valuable they still are and that they have worth. And when they're ready to achieve sobriety, that they can always come back to the gathering in. And now flash forward a year later, some of those individuals are living at the gathering in sober and they're actually contributing, helping setting up clothing closet and contributing and wanting to be active members in society again. But when a person's at rock bottoms, rock bottom, and they don't have self-worth and they don't have self-respect, it takes another end of it. It takes divine intervention. It takes a person who already knows the love of Christ to come alongside them and breathe that life back into them and explain and, and show them that they still have self-worth and, and that they can become contributing members of society again if they desire that. But a person just lost to confused out on the streets, homeless and on drugs, they're not going to figure that out on their own. They're going to, they're going to continuously stay lost and confused and on drugs until someone comes alongside them and shows them their self-worth, like, hey, you're still valuable. You're still worthy of love. You're still part of our society, you know, and at that point, a person will desire to change that because you can't change a person's life. They have to do that on their own. They have to desire that. But in order for them to desire that, somebody else has to come alongside them and shine that love back into them and show them that they are still cared about. You are still loved. And uh, she makes such a great point. Uh a lot, and, and she she knows as much as I, or she, uh, more than I do, probably about a lot of homeless people. They, they don't want to be helped. I mean, uh, or I, I should say, they don't want to comply. They don't want to follow the rules of being helped. In other words, if you come to the gathering or some of these places, you have to you, you have to do certain things. It's simpler, easier for them to just not. You know, they don't want to do it. You know, um, a lot of them are. Uh, you know, paranoid, schizophrenia, their drugs, the alcohol, they got all kinds of reasons why they can't think clearly. But uh, the other Kimberly that we talked about uh, last week or, or no, it was a few weeks ago, um, <clears throat> like you just said, uh, she had two caseworkers that intervened in her life. And mm -hmm. she said, listen, I, uh, I know what's best for you. I, I know where you're going and know what you're doing, but I know what's best for you. And if you'll let me help you, I can get you to where you want, you know, to where you need to go. And it's such an impactful thing. I mean, uh, you know, like you're talking about, there are, and, I, and I've dealt with a lot of state, county workers, non-honor people that are doing, you know, kind of what you're doing or whatever. But if they don't have that heart to help, I mean, if they just do the nine to five thing, or I can spend a, a, a limited amount of time with them, you know, it really takes that extra step to say, listen, you know, I, I, or maybe even just that comment. If you're, if you're with me, if you'll allow me, I can bring you out of this quagmire that you're in or whatever and, you know, get you going or whatever. And she, so you're right. It could be, and we talked uh, in this uh, before, you know, kind of this warm-up thing about 
just little things like they, uh, they might not have a car, they don't have transportation, they, you know, just things that would prevent them from doing something like going to the doctor or, you know, whatever. So we talked, uh, you know, about, um, and I'll let her speak to this, but she, uh, you know, I, I call it like the village thing. She called the, the community or pieces of a puzzle where we all got to get out of this mindset where, you know, I'm me, you're you, and I do my thing, you do your thing, whatever. So talk a little bit about your, I like your analogy about the puzzle thing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, I, I'm a firm believer that uh, homelessness is a community issue. And so it's going to take a community to heal that problem. Um, I was telling Bud earlier that um, homelessness and the community helping people put their lives back together is like when you have a thousand piece puzzle and you put it all together and you realize you're missing two or three pieces of the puzzle. And how disappointing is that when you took, you know, these beautiful puzzles put together, but it's missing a few pieces. And I think that that's where a lot of people um, downsize or downplay their value in helping with the homelessness crisis. Like you may think, oh, what is me sitting down and talking to this person for 10, 15 minutes? How's that going to fix anything? Or, oh, what is this one hot meal for lunch? How's that going to fix anything? And the realism of it is that if a thousand people are thinking, what is this one hot meal going to fix? That's a huge impact. Or, if a thousand people are thinking, oh, what is this 10 minutes going to do? Like that could be a thousand different people who had 10 minutes of quality time where they had a shoulder to cry on someone who was genuinely listening to what they've been through and not judging them, not condemning them, not looking down on them, but genuinely wanting to hear what they've been through because that venting process, <clears throat> excuse me, that being able to vent, having a shoulder to cry on, that may be that one cornerstone that they need to even desire to put their life back together. Like that one moment could be what that one individual needs to become a contributing member of society again. Like who's to say who's, I mean, I just, I personally, I firsthand know what it feels like to have somebody let you sit there and cry your heart out and explain what you've been through and how you got in this situation and all of these different things. And at that point it was like such a release that I was able to think clearly and okay, well now what's the next step of to putting my life back together? Now that I got that off my chest to somebody who was genuinely intentionally listening to me, not letting it go in one ear and out the other, like now I can think clearly enough to, okay, well, how do I put my life back together? Because this individual was there to be my shoulder to cry on, you know, to hand me a tissue when I was done and tell me, you know what, you're still worthy. You're still valuable. God still loves you, even in this state right here. You know, it, it don't ever underestimate the value of your time and your talent, because those two things right there will move mountains, your time and your talent. And she makes a great point. You know, she does a beautiful job, or, you know, not just her, but the gathering in general, Nate and um, Nicole, and or I don't know who else is involved now, but uh, uh, Nikki's the, still, mm -hmm. the, still the director. Um, they, they just spend their whole day from six in the morning till, you know, until they put them on the buses to take them to the church or whatever night. So, so 12, 13 hours a day, people are there that want to get off the streets that want to be housed that night or whatever. So they're, so they're pretty much there all day. They, they, they sit in the courtyard. You've got some computers for them. <clears throat> There's no specific meals uh, provided for them, whatever some of the kids have you know, they go to school, they're there. I mean, they just kind of hang out type thing. 
So uh, we were talking earlier about, and I, I've mentioned this, you know, before that uh, people say, gosh, I'm not, I just need to read the Bible a bit more. I'm not educated. I didn't go to seminary, I, you know, all these things, whatever. But the things that Kimberly just mentioned, that <clears throat> that act of kindness, that gift of time, a few minutes driving by the, the, the local shelter, in our case, the gathering in, <clears throat> And just walk in and just acknowledge them and sit down. You know, they're out in the courtyard. You can sit down to them. Hey, how's your day going? Isn't this a beautiful day or whatever? And um, like uh, Bill Dubrow, I mean, you know, these are people that I know. There's a lot of different people, probably individually, that will make a home cooked, uh, what, like a casserole or something, bring yeah. it in, sit on the table. So now they've got, a, you know, something that they would never get. There's a 7 Eleven right around the corner from uh, the gathering. And I see a lot of people going over there and getting, you know, junk. <laughs> whatever. And that's kind of their meal. So that specialty of just having a, what we do every day, cook dinner or lunch or whatever for them is like such a treat. You know, we've even brought peaches and stuff over there from, you know, the, the pizza parlor. I'm thinking like, gosh, it's such a great thing. But then I'm thinking, you know, that really isn't the, you know, the time of making uh, something that they really wouldn't get, you know, they can mm -hmm. go get a piece of pizza or whatever. So uh, I, I just want to encourage people that, you know, just to key in on what she said about, you know, we're so busy, we're so, um, inundated with all the stuff in our lives that we have to get through. But if we don't take that step back and just spend, you know, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, like just to drive by, stop going. I know it's uncomfortable. And I've talked about this before, that movie that I saw this, uh, you know, we have to get through that 20 seconds of awkwardness. There's going to be 20 seconds of when you're going to walk in, you're not going to know what to say or whatever, but, you know, just a simple, hi, how are you? How's your day going? You know, um, you know, what's your name? Uh, my name is Bud or whatever. You know, I just thought I'd come by and just, you know, kind of not, not, I don't want to say shoot the, uh, just, just come by and just say, you know, just, uh, you know, just to uh, talk to you for a little bit about, you know, uh, you know, about how your day is going and on and on. Is there anything specific that you need? And, and I know I'm, I've been told, you know, don't say that or whatever, because, uh, you know, they might ask you for something specific. One of the ladies that is, in fact, it was at your place, um, African-American, 60-some years old. Uh, I think my wife, my, she was with me. She said, is there anything that you need specifically? And she had gray on the front of her hair and her hair. Her, you probably know who I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so uh, I was expecting her to say, gosh, I'd like to have this or that or whatever. At, at one time, she said, I, I wish I had a room where I could go take a nap uh, in, you know, like a, a place that was just quiet. I could lay down and just take a nap during the day because she's communal up. living is very loud, T uh, hard to yes. do. But 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 she said, if I could just get the gray taken out of my hair and I just kind of like went over my head, you know, and Carol said, OK, well, so I, I guess we need to take her to a beauty parlor or whatever. I said, what? And she goes, she wants to get the, uh, she wants a. Uh, she just wanted the spray and hair dye, well, something simple, yeah, right? Well, no, she wanted like a, you know, like a, well, I don't know what it was, but we wound up taking her to, I don't know, someplace. I can't remember where it was at, but a, but a beauty place. And they did her hair up and we did it a couple of times or whatever. So, I mean, you know, it, it, you'd be surprised at what they want or what's on their mind. But there's such a disparity we talked earlier about. They don't necessarily even have a car to get to the doctor, so they won't go to the doctor or. Uh, could just be that they need a ride, just just someplace, you know, one time, you know, can I take you someplace or whatever, or do you need a ride, or or, or go up to the desk, uh, what's your name at the, that uh, runs the desk there, just mm -hmm. say, is there anybody here that, you know, could, uh, that needs a ride that I got 30 minutes or 40 minutes or an hour or whatever, I'd like to volunteer to take somebody someplace. So those simple acts of kindness that just escape us because 
to us. It's just, you know. Exactly. Well, the gathering in like, so once a week we do, we do rides in the van to like social security or the DMV. So we do once a week where they can sign up and go to specific places, but it's usually the more individual personal places that they don't have rides to. Like maybe they need to go see the dentist or maybe they need to go to, I don't know, maybe their storage is across town and they need to do something in their storage and they need to be dropped off over there. So there are individual rides that definitely there are guests that would benefit from it. Like there was a young lady who just went to her first homecoming and because she's a minor, nobody at the gathering in can transport her like that in the van. And so it was this beautiful collaboration. I reached out and one organization got her pro- her homecoming dress brand new and another um, family did her nails and a family who used to live there who's moved out has a car they offered to pick her up and take her to homecoming. So there's definitely um, like and that's an event she'll never forget for the rest of her life. She got to go to homecoming in a brand new dress with brand new nails with a ride to and from where she wasn't lo- you know, left there or forgotten about. So it definitely the collaboration of individuals coming alongside and you think, oh, it's just one small thing, but it could be something huge for the rest of a person's life. Like having your teeth or going to homecoming, like there, you think it's just, oh, it's just a ride, but realistically it's something that's going to impact the rest of their life, the rest of their walk with God. You know, it really will. And I've talked about this many times about loving your neighbor as ourself is, I'm sure that's what drives you. I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, you are just who you are, but also the scripture. So when you dissect that, we were just talking about this earlier, whenever I say that uh, or read that scripture, love my neighbor as myself, so my neighbor would be anybody that's at the gathering in or anybody that's in need or that comes across my daily walk or whatever. So that's my neighbor. And then to love them as myself, then I interpret that to be myself, my family, my kids, my grandkids, whatever. So perfect example of what you just brought up. If my daughter wanted to go to homecoming, I would, of course, go out and get her a, a dress or nails or mm-hmm. whatever we did, her hair, uh, a, uh, maybe not a limo, but, uh, you know, but a ride to and from or whatever, just to love on her for that night or whatever. And like you say, uh, as they get older, those are, man, those are milestones. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, you know, uh, I, I've often wondered uh, or, or often commented um when we go to the gathering in, and this was when you had a lot, all those people, you could have been one of them. There was, I was probably 10 or 15 families. We, we get the call for all these clothes. And I thought, Oh my gosh, we, we have to bring like 20 or 30 jackets. You don't have that many kids. Oh yeah, we do in the family room that we got a lot of kids. So as I started going over there, I would see the kids on the outside, uh, walking to and from school, like, uh, you know, middle school or elementary school, high school or junior, uh, junior high, whatever, just all these kids walking around the outside of the, you know, going to and from their houses, but they go by the gathering in. And then I would see these kids in the gathering in sitting on the curb there on the sidewalk or really no place to, you know, or, 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 or on the benches or whatever. And it struck me that <clears throat> these kids on the outside, they're probably going to say to their friends, Hey, let's go to my house. Let's do this. Let's, you know, whatever. The kids on the inside, they don't have any place to uh, to uh, tell their friends. You know, it could be out of embarrassment or whatever. You know, it's hey, definitely out of embarrassment. Okay, yeah, so out of embarrassment, awkward. you know, come by. You know, after school, let's hang out or whatever. They're not going to invite them to the gathering. I'm thinking uh, to be in that environment or whatever. So I mean, that just tugged on my heart when I was thinking about that. I mean, gosh, that's uh, for a kid 
to not be able to hang out with his friends after school and, you know, uh, you know, reciprocate back and forth. Mm-hmm. Let's go to your house, my house or whatever. So that just a, you know, one thing right that, there. That, that, that struck something to me right there. Cause when I lived there, there were a couple of families that would come by once, once or twice a month. And they would say, Hey, you know, on this day, we're going to come back and we're going to, depending on the age of the kid, like we're going to rock and jump or we're going to Chuck E. Cheese and any of the kids that want to go, let us know. We're going to take our kids. We're going to be bringing the the church band or whatever it is. We're all, you have to come with your child. We're not just going to pick your child up. The parent has to be willing to come, but we're going to go do this event for the day. And we want whatever children that live here to come along with our family while we go do it. And that's something that actually is not going on right now. Um, where there are, there's quite a few families that live there right now um, with anywhere from teenage to small children. And I, I mean, I, I know I've seen it firsthand. My children still remember being picked up by families that they didn't even know and taking us to go do things that we would not have been able to do in that situation. And like my children, they're seven and nine now. So it's been four years and they still remember those events. They're like, Hey, when we drive past certain places, my children will have that memory of that family who loved God and was like, Hey, do you remember when that family took us by there and how God provided that? Like they even transfer my children transfer over the idea of it's not just your family, but you're actually a representation of a tangible piece of God. Like, do you remember how that family, all they did was talk about scriptures and God and they took us to go do these things and it makes lifelong impressions on who these children will become, most definitely. And, you know, as you're talking about that, I'm thinking, you know, again, what's important to God? You know, I mean, I mean, uh, a lot of these things are important to God. But when I think about if if I had to uh, sequentialize what's important to God, it'd be the Great Commission, you know, is, is the love the Lord with all your heart, love your neighbor as yourself. And the greatest thing that you can become is a servant. So as I'm thinking about um, what you're saying about, uh, gosh, I lost my train of thought here. Oh, uh, so we can preach a lot about stuff. We can recite the Bible. We can read them scriptures and on and on. But to act out that scripture, when you talk about, uh, you said the presence of God, uh, acting out God, that's what got me thinking about this. Uh, or, Or God being a piece of their life or being a piece of what you're doing or whatever. We can talk about it, but when you actually do it, mm-hmm. now you now they can feel it. You know, it's not just a words on a page or no, it's a permanent memory. Like I got to physically experience the love of God. Like for my children personally, there was um, one of the churches that allows the gathering in to sleep in their sanctuary at night. Um, they they all came together. Like one of the ladies had been given a trip to Monterey Bay, but it was you know, it, her her family was already doing something that month. And so they were trying to figure out what to do with the, uh, the, what's it called? They give out the tickets to the Monterey Bay Aquarium, the aquarium yeah. and the bike rides. And so she, they had all these free tickets that they weren't going to be able to utilize. And so her, her church got together and they all pitched in a little bit and they were able to pay for our hotel stay and our gas to get out there. And, when they gave it to me, like I was so humbled, but my children to this day, four years later, still talk about our very first family vacation. And so they get to associate God and his people with our very first family vacation. Like that was completely, 
just given to us out of the love of Christ. Like it, it's something like they see the pictures on the wall and they still remember the the church family that did that for them in the name of of God and Christ because they gave all that back. Like they didn't own it. Like, look what I did for you. They're like, you know, that family was very clear and made it very specific that whose name they were doing it on behalf of, like doing this for you to show you the love of Christ, to show you the love of God. So when you go out and you minister into somebody's life, even if it's as simple as saying, hey, what do your children need for school? And maybe they need a pair of rain boots. The winter's coming up. Maybe they need a, 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 an umbrella. And if you're real specific when you give it, about who it's coming from, that will plant a seed in that child and that adult's life that will flourish for the rest of their life. It will shape the direction that they take their choices in and their life in. Like it's, there's no way, a real way to quantify what one kind deed when you make sure to glorify God while you're doing it can change a person's perspective. Yeah. And again, uh, you know, you, you bring up uh, a couple of things that uh, you know, come to mind about how many times I've been to Monterey or Car I used to live in Carmel, Monterey, but, um, but how many times that I've been back to the coast, I, I've been to Santa Cruz. I don't go to Disneyland. I've, I've been to Disneyland once or twice with my kids, grandkids. Um, but just that we take for granted, you know, uh, 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 we've taken kids up to the snow before up in Auburn. They've never been to snow. Yeah. I go, oh my God, you never been to snow. It's like 30 minutes. Right? Well, you know, my, you know, we don't, they don't we have don't, the means. To yeah. Them. Or yeah. we don't, you don't think that, uh, that we should be wasting gas or whatever. So uh, I think, gosh, you know, I mean, again, going back to loving my neighbor as myself, I love my family enough to take them to the coast or take them for an outing or whatever. If I can't take your family, I can certainly say, hey, listen, I got some tickets or I got, you know, whatever. We pool our resources with people at the church. Let's bless some family and see who, you know, uh, you know, you know, talk to Kim about who, who could go to the, to, you know, to the coast or, or do something or you or whatever. And I don't know whether it's you or uh, just another thing that, that comes to mind, just this uh, disparity between um you know people that are you know that i have been blessed or you know and i i i don't want to keep saying the word blessed my daughter always reprimands me about saying uh, the people that aren't that, that, that they don't have any money so they're not blessed they're you know, less fortunate that's yeah. all they're still blessed they're breathing they're, I got you know, they're it. valuable I got to it. god but they're just less fortunate financially so if i'm blessed with money let's say or if, if i'm blessed with something of uh, financial importance or you know you know you know that i have something Shouldn't I be giving that back to somebody else or just think about what the small things are about, again, loving my neighbor as myself, my only family. So I don't know whether it's you or somebody from the gathering and called me and said, hey, there's a kid that made the, was you that he made the basketball team? He didn't have any clothes or something. Was that you? Um, it may have been. I called a few people when there was a young man that made the basketball team and he needed shoes and all kinds right, of stuff. You called me. So yeah. we came by and got him. And uh, got him shoes and basketball shorts and, you know, practice shorts or, you know, like, like all the, you know, the kids that, because I said, well, don't you have, like, what do you wear? Well, you have like a t-shirt as well. You know, you know, don't you, you know, like, don't you want some Nike socks and shoes and, or, you know, not to say Nike, but, you know, something that uh, says basketball. Quality, right. Something well, something quality. that says basketball, yeah. you know, rather than just a t-shirt. So, oh, yeah. So I went to, um, you know, and I got all this stuff. And I said, so is there anything else? And he goes, well. He said, I, I don't need it, but when we have uh, like game day, we're supposed to wear like a, a pair of pants and a belt and a shirt and a, and a tire or whatever and, and dress shoes, you know. Mm -hmm. He said, but, but I don't need that. You, you can still play, you know, without doing that. But I got to thinking, I said, well, okay. So, and I'm thinking as we started to leave, I said, gosh, let's go back and get you. I mean, 
why would you, uh, you want him to be singled out as somebody that couldn't afford? Right. You know what I'm saying? So again, back to my own family, if my kids said, Hey, I need some good shoes and a pair of pants or whatever. So I went back in and got him the, you know, the pants and the shoes and you know, all that kind of stuff. But uh, just those, and I'm not trying to you know, say this stuff to, you know, you know, to boast myself up or whatever, but, but just, I have to, we have to keep reminding everybody that, these things that we, you and I take for granted and we have the wherewithal or somebody to call and say, Hey, I, you know, can you help me out or whatever? They don't have that, um, <clears throat> that safety net or that layer of assistance or help. They just them against the world, you know? So if somebody doesn't uh, come in alongside of them, they're yeah. not going to get that. Yeah. I okay, one minute, go. Go, ahead. Oh, go ahead. If you want to, no, no. Go ahead. Uh, so wrap up. And if you want to keep going, we'll keep going. I don't know, but go ahead. I was going to say that, you know, a lot of those children, when they receive those gifts, they take such good care of them. You would think because, oh, they're homeless, that it's just going to get tore up. But that's not the case. Like they ask me for like, Kim, do you have a special cubby hole or a special box I can put this stuff in oh, so wow. I can put it up till I need it so it stays taken good care Unlike of? Like my grandkids, do you like came and tell you what they do with them? You know? <laughs> not those children. No, they make sure like, look, this, I didn't even expect to get this. Let me make sure I put it up somewhere safe. So when I need it again, I know where it's at. I know one thing for sure that I want to make Good, sure no. that the listeners um, hear from my heart to theirs that your talent is the biggest that your time and talent is the biggest thing that you contribute. Like if you're a barber coming to cut hair once a month, I mean, that's the difference between a person wanting to go get a job and not wanting to go get a job because they're they actually look presentable. Or if you do nails or if you wax eyebrows or if you are a, whatever your profession is, one day a month on your day off to come in and volunteer your time, it, it will shift a person's whole perspective. Like I've watched individuals who, because throughout the day during the gathering in, there's people who are just day guests because they're probably still struggling with addiction or they just choose not to check in. And then there's also our overnight guests who come to the church who are working the program, wanting to work towards sustainable housing. But when you come during the day and you cut somebody's hair who hasn't had their hair cut in a year, like I've watched people's whole lives transform. Like, hey, I can go get a job now because I look presentable enough to actually go in to this interview. So it it, it definitely... Like there's ladies there who don't feel beautiful because they have big bushy eyebrows. Like if you wax eyebrows for a living and like they, they, they have rooms in the gathering in where it's like, you just have to bring the materials. We have the space where we could designate for it, but being able to, to feel like an actual human being and not like a scruffy McMuffin, like that changes a whole person's desire to even want to be a contributing member of society. Like it will shift someone who feels like nothing into somebody who feels like, okay, now I can go put my life back together because I had these first few building blocks, these first few stepping stones, <clears throat> excuse me, these first few stepping stones put out there for me. Yeah. Another great point of uh, the uh, disparity between just a simple thing of getting a haircut or your, would you say your, uh, uh, your eyebrows waxed, waxed yeah. um, or nails or, mm -hmm. you know, just, you know, stuff that we, you know, cause I've taken my grandkids and not the eyebrow thing, but, I get their nails done or whatever. And uh, my grandson to get a haircut, you know, mm -hmm. it's a big, not, not a big deal, but it, but it's a fun thing. It makes them feel better. It's, you know, they, you know it definitely changes their appearance from that scruffy, you know, long uh, shaggy hair, whatever. Mm -hmm. 
So again, it just comes back to me that loving your neighbor as yourself, if you're going to love your family and they need a haircut or your daughter wanted to go get some nails or her, um, I'm not sure about the eyebrow thing, but uh, for the adults, not maybe not for the children, but for the adult women there, so like they, to, you so tear they, the, you put, yeah, you're talking about making a line or something. Well, I, you and I have decently shaped eyebrows, but some people's eyebrows take over their entire face. Okay, and okay. so they need a little bit of maintenance. Okay. To actually so have, trimming them down uh, yeah, and... actually have just standard eyebrows and not, you know, I don't want to be rude, but like bushy yeah. eyebrows. Like so, anyway, something that somebody in your family would want to have done to improve their appearance, if you had the wherewithal to do it, you would say, okay, let's go, or you know, here's, you know, let me take your, you know, you go ahead. So, um, yeah, uh, I think it just keeps coming back to loving your neighbors yourself, like, like. The people there are our family. If we truly are one, believers, if you're a believer, then yes, brothers then, and sisters, then everybody that you come across is your brother and sister. And it took me a long time to get to that place. Like I, I didn't grow up knowing God. I didn't grow up knowing that God was real. I grew up in an environment where God was make believe, and it was individuals who were firm, strong believers in faith that showed me the love of Christ that breathed that into me that even sparked my interest to want to consider that perhaps God is real. Perhaps I could live a better life. Perhaps I am worthy to, to live a certain way. Like there are some individuals that don't know. They just don't know that they're worthy, that they are children of God. And it takes those who do know you're aware, like you, you know, that that we're all children of God, it takes those individuals to come alongside and, and not force feed them this information, but come alongside them and be compassionate and loving. And that will spark their interest to want to know God, to want to know their worth and their value. And there's, there's, there's no amount of giving that's too small. Like if you think that the one thing you're going to do once a month or once a week, if you think that it's too small, that's a lie from the pit of hell. <laughs> Your your con your contribution is huge in society, and it's colossal in the eyes of God. Like your contribution to the homeless crisis is there's no measure, there's no there's no words to quantify how significant that is. It, it's huge, and it's it's absolutely, you know, it's something that now that I am a believer, now that I have a relationship with God, like. There is no amount of compassion that's too small. It may be as simple as telling somebody who's looking down at the ground while they walk like, hey, I sure like your shoes or you have a you have a beautiful smile or you know what I mean? It could be just as simple as giving a compliment. You know, it, it doesn't always have to be a physical dollar amount given. It could just simply be you looking at an individual, making eye contact and, and letting them know that, hey, I see you. You, you are a person. Acknowledging their existence. Yes, you're a person. You're part of my community. Because I'm a believer, you're actually part of my family. I see your struggles. I see your whatever it is that you're going through. And can I take your mind off that for a minute? Can we talk about something positive and how you are valuable and cared about? And those moments 
You may not see the fruit in that person right away, but the next person will come along with that seed that you planted and they'll water that seed with another compassionate act. Pan it forward. Yes. And another person will come along and shine some light on that watered seed. And then that seed at some point in that person will begin to blossom and they'll, their heart posture will, will shift. So don't be discouraged because you poured all this love into a person and they didn't make an immediate change. Like it's going to take a few people to pour into this person. And at some point, like the, the, the change will happen. And, and I'm, I don't know what scripture it is in the Bible, but I know it, when you do good deeds and, and stuff for your community, for your brothers and sisters, you're not supposed to do it to see an immediate fruit. You're supposed to do it just simply because God commands you to. And having that that selflessness when you're doing kind deeds, like, Hey, I don't have to see the change in this person. I know that I did my part. I know I planted that seed in this individual and let me let the next person water that seed that I planted and the next individual shine the light on that seed. And at some point you're going to start seeing those seeds blossoms. Like I have people who come to clothing closet now who used to be addicts who come and they're like, Kim, I just want to contribute. I want to give back. I remember when individuals like yourself and others here who, who loved me like an, like a person, even when I was running around in my mess, doing all these awful things, like you still believed in me, you still were kind to me, you were still generous to me. And, and it shifted their heart posture to not want to live like that anymore. Like now I want to live better because individuals collectively treated me better, you know? And so just don't undervalue your contribution of your time and your talent to the homeless population in general, um, it, it's significant and, and it makes changes that, that we can't even quantify. And, you know, again, just some great points. I'm glad we, uh, you know, we extend this a little bit longer than we normally do. <clears throat> but uh, I, I think it took us that long to get to the crux of the matter that, you know, we can preach to people, we can read the Bible to them, we can tell them the story about the Good Samaritan, we can tell them all these great things. But if we don't act it out, they don't experience experience it it's just words on a page it's almost like it's lifeless to them so when we breathe life into the scripture i mean god breathes life through us from his scripture then it it becomes something that's just more than just a story or whatever it becomes life-giving mm -hmm. so um you know we just need to, and i know it takes you know all of us can read we can preach we can make a phone call or whatever but God doesn't stop short of that. He, he, he encourages us. He commands us to do these things, these act of kindness. So, I mean, and it could be scary at first when you first step out into, to being a person who's walk, putting feet behind their faith is what I like to call it. When you're putting feet behind your faith, it can be scary at first. Think about the first time you drove a car or the first time you went to do anything it's scary at first. That's normal. But you didn't stop trying to learn how to drive a car. You didn't stop trying to learn how to do any of those things were scary. Every time you stepped out into it, it became a little more familiar and a little more comfortable. So the first few times that you are putting feet behind your faith, it's going to be scary. Embrace that. Embrace that. Ask God to empower you like, Lord, I was terrified when I went over that homeless shelter take that fear from me, you know, and every time you go back, you're going to feel a little more empowered and a little more confident to impact people's lives. 
Absolutely. And you know, I, I, I have been there, done that. And people that are brought over there, been there, done that. They just can't, I can't get through that first 20 seconds of awkwardness. And we talked about that, but once you go and you've done it once, I mean, now the, you know, the fear of the unknown is what I like to call it. it it's gone. I mean, so, I mean, you've done it and it's like, Oh my gosh, you know, what am I, you know, what's all this angst about, or, you know, what, uh, what am I worrying about or whatever, but it's just that, we don't know what's on their minds. We don't know about them. It just, uh, and, and uh, gosh, you know, you talk about planting the seed and just being um, obedient or whatever. We've done a lot of things for a lot of different people, a lot of different, um, uh, you know, kind of come together, you know, the toy outreach and the, uh, this, you know, the stuff we've done and the volunteers will, will, will come along. And they've actually said when they got done that, you know, gosh, you know, I am never going to do that again. And I said, why? Well, you know, what's, what's going on? So they were so unappreciative. They were so this or so that. I go, oh, Maybe my gosh. the parents were, but I've seen it on the flip side with the children. And when the children received those the gifts that the ungrateful parents came and picked up, those children's lives are totally shifted. Well, my point is that we're helping people that are basically living on the streets are just barely off the street. So they're not, and you mentioned the, um, I had a, had a, a philosophy class one time that uh, the uh, a professor talked about uh, philosophizing from an empty stomach or a full stomach is totally different. Mm -hmm. If I've got a full stomach, I can afford to be, I mean, my whole mindset is going to be just, I've got manners, I'm patient, I've got all this other kind of stuff. If I've got an empty stomach, I'm just looking for my next, meal, you know, yeah. so I'm hungry, my stomach hurts or whatever. So the first thing out of my mouth might be, oh, God, you know, thank you so much. I'm so appreciative. It's just like, oh my gosh, you know, I, that, you know, I am, I, I finally got something to eat or whatever. And they might even say, what's next, you know, because they're just, you know, they don't have the social skills, I guess is, is my point that, that we have with all this other stuff that, that uh, we have in our life. And what an awesome teaching moment when those parents who cannot provide toys for their children come to the free toy giveaway. If they're acting a certain way that's not necessarily poised and professional and grateful, what a great teaching moment to come alongside that person and show them a different way to behave instead of getting offended or retaliating against that disrespect. What an awesome teaching moment to come alongside them and show them how to be polite and not feed into that negativity because most people who volunteer at a toy giveaway have never actually had to attend a toy giveaway because they couldn't provide for their children. I've been on both ends of the spectrum. And when you have to sign your child up for a toy giveaway because you know that you're not going to be able to purchase them toys out of the store, it is such a humiliating process. You have to swallow so much of your pride to even go get in that line with the rest of the parents who can't provide. You might see other parents from your kid's school or pa kids, parents you live by, and we're all standing in this line of the have nots, you know, and so that can be really embarrassing for a parent who has to come to that. And so they may be ungrateful in, in a stance in their demeanor, but really it's just because they're embarrassed. They're embarrassed that they even have to participate in this to provide for their children. So it's an awesome teaching moment for you to come alongside that parent and, you know, just, just set a better example for them. And, you know, you, you, you said something else that uh, brought to my mind that, that, that we're not supposed to be pleasing the parents or pleasing the, even the kids or whatever. We're supposed to be pleasing Christ. Hmm. So we're supposed to be obedient to Christ. He'll take care of the rest. So we might not get the reaction that 
we expect, but God knows that 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 He got the right reaction from you know from us doing what we did. That's the reaction that He's looking for. Mm -hmm. So I mean, uh, I I can't control how people are going to you know receive it, or they might just take it and go in and not even say thank you, you know. And and they have, but th that's not my my purpose. That, that that doesn't complete the circle. Completing the circle is God put something in my heart. I go do it, and then God is pleased. So yes. I plan the stage. Absolutely. You know, some of us are, some of us are screws. Some of us are nails. Some of us are planks of wood, but God can't build the house without everybody being the piece that he needs you to be. Like, don't underestimate. Stop like, Stop talking. You, you, you keep bringing stuff. <laughs> no, I love that analogy about the devil. Well, I'll about tell the, you what, if other people from that listen to the podcast want me to come back, we'll come, we'll, yeah, I'll, do, I'll do, come and do another let's, one. Let's do another one later on, but yeah. I, uh, we'll, we'll start with the building. I, I love that one about the screws, the nails, and the wood, yeah. and the sheetrock. I'm in construction. I can relate to that one. Yeah. So listen, we've gone way over we're probably going to be like a 40 or 50 minute thing on this thing but um just well worth the, uh, the time spent i love kimberly i love uh i just love the gathering in because it serves such a it fills such a great void you know for the people that want to get off the streets they can at least go to a, a place uh and and for a little respite for the day or you know for the night if they if, mm -hmm. if they want to be vetted and that kind of thing so uh, thank you for coming on. Yeah, I love you your heart. Me. I love you. Uh, I love the whole thing that you guys do over there. And uh, we're kindred spirits. And um, thank you all for listening. And uh, Yes, thank you for listening. Have a God-blessed day. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Constipated Christian Podcast. However you are tuning in, be sure to follow or subscribe, as well as leave a rating and review. If you are interested in learning more ways on how to live out your faith, you can visit our website at theconstipatedchristian.org. And if you'd like to leave Bud or one of our guests a comment, you can email it to theconstipatedchristian at gmail.com. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode.